How many of you have ever bought a computer? Anybody ever bought a computer, laptop, desktop, Chromebook, whatever? Or you've got to probably have a computer at your house. You probably have a computer somewhere you can locate one. Uh, we have several here in the church building. We have several in the office. So uh, a computer, when you buy it, uh, comes with preloaded software, right? It'll have some kind of preloaded software on it. It could have uh, a word processing program on it. It may have um, a uh, operating system like a Windows operating system or Mac op operating system or Linux or uh, Chrome, whatever it is. And it comes with preloaded software so that it kind of has an idea of what it needs to do when you turn it on and you start using it, right? I have a son and I love him with all my heart and he's just the best. He's amazing. He's incredible. He's great. Um, when he was born, I, I, I had this assumption that he came preloaded with some kind of software. And he didn't. Like, he didn't know anything when he was born. And it was like, wait a minute. You mean, you mean I have to teach him all that stuff? Like, Everything? I'm like, you got to be, no, 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 no. I, I, and, and they put him in my arms, and I nervously carried him to the nursery, and I thought, I, there is no way, I'm, what, you're going to let me keep this? And they did. They did. And I came to find out that he was not preloaded with algebra, nor was he preloaded with U.S. history. Like everything he's learned, like about, you know, Jesus and social studies and math and science, all this stuff, it's, it all had to get into him somehow. It wasn't preloaded. He had to learn stuff from me and from the school I sent him to. He wasn't preloaded with any software. He needed parents. When Jesus was born... He was not preloaded with any software either. He was a regular baby. Granted, he was the son of God in human flesh. He was God. But it didn't mean that he wasn't a regular baby. He was fully God and fully human. So it's not like he came out of the womb knowing things like algebra or the alphabet or the first five books of the Bible. He had to be taught all that stuff. Jesus needed parents too. And God chose a simple couple to be Jesus' earthly parents. Today we're going to continue in our series called Simple Christmas. And this series is all about taking all the stuff about Christmas that we've kind of added to it and kind of heaped on it and just pulling it all away. Because in this year of 2020, where everything has just been so upside down, flipped around, turned over and shaken in a, in a rock tumbler, it feels like, we need something that feels normal. We need something simple. Because everything this year seems like it has been so complicated, right? And so we need something simple. 
And when I think about Christmas, I think some of the best memories I have of Christmas is when it was just simple. And so last week we talked about a simple story. We looked at Luke chapter 2 and everything that went into the simple story of Jesus being born. How God sent his one and only son into the world to take our place, to die for our sins, and how he raised him back to life. But it all began in a little town called Bethlehem. And Jesus was born, laid in a manger, and then the rest, as they say, is history. Now, this week we're talking about a simple couple, Joseph and Mary. You're probably familiar with their story, but we're going to read through their story in two different places, Matthew chapter 1 and Luke chapter 1. And then next week, we're going to talk about a simple gift as we talk about perhaps the most well-known Bible verse of all, John 3, 16. And then we're going to have our Christmas Eve services. Uh, we're going to do that on Christmas uh, on December 23rd at 6.30 p.m. And then on December 24th at 4 o'clock and 5.30 p.m. So we're going to have three Christmas Eve services on the 23rd and 24th. And we invite you to come and join us for Christmas Eve. It's my favorite service of the year probably. Um, it's, uh, my wife plays the piano and I lead the songs. Uh, and uh, we have a special guest this year for Christmas Eve services. Uh, and uh, you'll be excited to see that. I'm excited for it at least. Uh, and uh, we're going to do that on the 23rd and 24th. And you're more than welcome to come and join us for Christmas Eve. It'll also be streamed. The 4 o'clock service will be streamed on our streaming services. But for tonight, let's grab our Bibles. If you brought a Bible, great. Turn to Matthew chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, you can use a Bible app on your phone, uh, like Bible Gateway or Version, or the GFCC app uh, is your friend. And uh, you can tune into the GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, go to your app store and search for GFCC, and you can download the app from there. And we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, and then Luke chapter 1. We'll turn there in just a moment. Let's take a look. We're going to look at this in several different pieces. Luke chapter 1, verses 8, uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Now, a couple things you have to know about Matthew's gospel. First of all, Matthew was a Jewish man, and he was writing his gospel to a Jewish audience. And so throughout the gospel of Matthew, we see many references to the Old Testament, where Matthew points out the places that point to Jesus from the Old Testament and says, look, here it is. And we're going to see that in this passage today as well. And so he points out Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Jesus is the one God promised to send. And so he uses a lot of Old Testament uh, prophecies to point out the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. Secondly, uh, in those days, if you were engaged to be married in that society, it was very similar to actually being married. It was a legally binding contract. When you got engaged, it was a legally binding contract, and in order to break off an engagement, you would have to go through divorce proceedings. Even though you weren't married, it was uh, very akin to being married, you would have to go through a, a divorce proceeding in order to break off an engagement. And so Joseph 
was a righteous man. He was a good man. He obeyed the law. He did what God told him to do. Joseph was a very moral, upright, holy man. He was a good man. And if Mary was pregnant and he had not come together with her, if Mary's pregnant, it means she cheated on him. And his heart is breaking as he hears and discovers that Mary is pregnant. And his heart is broken because he loves Mary. But, and, and he doesn't want to disgrace her. He doesn't want to shame her. But he can't be with her if she's cheated on him. And so Joseph is just going to divorce her quietly. And in those days, a, a, a single mom uh, would have been in a lot of financial turmoil and trouble. Nobody would have wanted to marry her knowing that she had cheated on her betrothed. She would have no one to watch for her, care for her and her kid. And so Joseph, like I said, he loves Mary and doesn't want to ruin her life. But he loves God and he wants to do the right thing. So God intervenes. Because what Joseph doesn't know is this baby is God's son. He doesn't know it yet, but he's going to find out. Look at verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus, is that's the Greek form of Jesus' Hebrew name. And Jesus' Hebrew name is Yeshua, or Joshua. And Yeshua literally means Yahweh saves. God saves. God is our Savior. So Jesus' actual name, Yeshua, means God saves. Yahweh saves. And that's why the angel tells him, you're going to give him the name Jesus because he is going to save his people from their sins. God will save us. And that's what Jesus' name means. And that's why the angel told him to name his son Jesus. It says the Holy Spirit has conceived this in her. God is all over this. And you're, his name is going to be a reminder of his purpose. His name will be a reminder of the reason that he's coming into the world. To save people. And that's why Jesus came. To save us from our sins. And we're all sinners. Every single one of us. We've all broken God's law. We've all disobeyed God. We've all turned against God in rebellion. We're all sinners. And the only way we can be saved is through the Son of God, Jesus Christ. By God's grace, through faith in Jesus, the only way we can be saved, we've got to put our trust and faith in Him. And we do that by believing in Him, believing that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. By repenting of our sins, turning away from a life of sin and turning to a life of faithfully following Jesus. Acknowledging our faith by uh, confessing our faith and getting baptized. And if you haven't taken that step of faith yet, I want to encourage you to be thinking about taking that next step of faith that God has for you. And putting Jesus first in your life and trusting him for salvation. And if you want to talk about that step of faith that you need to take, come grab me after the service. And let's talk about where you are in your relationship with God. Let's keep going in Matthew's gospel. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
Now, when he says all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, he's talking about the prophet Isaiah. And it was in Isaiah chapter 7 that uh, uh, the prophet Isaiah prophesied that a virgin would conceive and a virgin would give birth to a son and they would call him Emmanuel. And that name, Emmanuel, literally means God with us. See, God is not God above us. I mean, he is above us, but he's not God over us. He's not God under us. He's not God near us. He is God with us. He is always with us. He does not abandon us. He does not leave us. He does not forsake us. He does not forget about us. He is with us always. Here at the very beginning of Matthew's gospel, we are told that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And at the very end of Matthew's gospel, the last thing Jesus tells his disciples is, I am what? With you always to the end of the age. From the beginning of his life, we are told that he will be with us. And at the end of his life, before he ascends into heaven, he says, I'm still going to be with you. Always. He is God with us. And again, another reference back to the Old Testament, another reference back to the prophet Isaiah, that God is with us. And let's look at this last two verses here. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus, just like the angel told him to. He obeyed God. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. But that's Joseph's story. So what about Mary's story? Let's look at her story. It's in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. So if you've got your Bible, turn over, flip over to Luke chapter 1, or uh, keep following along in the app, and we read the story of Mary. Now, Mary, uh, Luke was a different author than, than Matthew. Matthew was a Jewish author writing to a Jewish audience. Luke was commissioned by a Greek man named Theophilus who commissioned him and paid him to write the story of Jesus. And so Luke uh, was a traveling companion of, of Peter and Paul. He wrote the book of Acts, and, and he heard all these stories uh, about who Jesus was, and he did a lot of research and history studies to find out everything he could about the story of Jesus, and he wrote it all in what we know as the book or the gospel of Luke. And we pick up Jesus' story, or Mary's story, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now Elizabeth was a relative of Mary, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. We saw that in Matthew's Gospel too. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So Mary... Uh, was just an ordinary girl with an extraordinary calling on her life and an extraordinary purpose to fulfill. So Mary uh, lives in the town of Nazareth. That was Jesus' hometown. He was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth in Galilee. And Galilee was a region of Israel on the north side of the Sea of Galilee. 
And so uh, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored, you who have received God's grace. The Lord is with you. Verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Now, one moment here for just a second. Every time an angel shows up in Scripture, especially around the birth story, the first words out of the angel's mouth are, is, do not be afraid. And I've, told this, I've said this before, I don't know what angels look like, but if the first thing they have to say is, don't be afraid, they might be pretty terrifying looking. I don't think it's like, you know, touched by an angel kind of thing. I think it's more like big, imposing, powerful creatures you know, with bright lights, and I don't think there's halos and harps. I, I, I just don't. I, I think it's like, I don't know, bigger than that. Verse 31 says, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And so, again, he's pointing back to the Old Testament, to the story of Jacob. Jacob, who became known as Israel, was one of the patriarchs over Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so he's pointing back, the son that you are going to give birth to, and you're going to name him Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh saves. He's going to rule and reign over Israel forever and ever and ever. His kingdom will never end. He is a king you are going to give birth to a king. Verse 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I am a virgin. Now. Her question. Is asked. In a very profound way. It's not a question. Filled with doubt. It's not a question of. I don't get it. I don't, think, I don't think it's true. No, she says this in such a way that reflects faith. How will this be? In other words, I believe what you're saying. And I believe that what you're saying is true. What I don't understand is how. How can I have a baby? Verse 35. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I like what the New American Standard Bible says. A different translation says, nothing will be impossible for God. No word from God will ever fail. Nothing will ever be impossible for God. Even your relative Elizabeth, who's in old age and was thought to be barren, who she couldn't have children, she's pregnant and in her sixth month, she's getting ready to enter her third trimester. Nothing will be impossible for God. No word from God will ever fail. And then Mary says this, Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your, word be, uh, may your word to me be fulfilled. 
And then the angel left her. A simple couple. A simple couple. Ordinary people. Like you or me. Joseph and Mary were chosen by God to be the parents, the earthly parents of Jesus. He chose them specifically. And I think he chose them each for a very special reason. First, and, and I, I want you to think about this and, and how we can emulate some special things about Joseph and Mary. First, you need to have a simple obedience like Joseph. You need to have a simple obedience like Joseph. Joseph didn't question the angel that appeared to him in a dream. He didn't say, hmm, man, too much baklava last night. I don't know what that was about. <laughs> no. He doesn't question what the angel says to him. He just says, I will obey. There must have been a thousand things going through Joseph's mind. My fiance is pregnant. She says it's from the Holy Spirit. What? What are, what are my friends going to think? What are... What am I, what's my family going to think? I, I can't do this. I, I, I can't. The angel appears and says, Joseph, you've got to do this. Because what's in her is from the Holy Spirit. This is God doing something amazing and extraordinary that is going to change the whole world. You need a simple obedience like Joseph in your life. Because there may be things that God is asking you to do right now. And you're thinking, I, I don't know, God. I, I don't know that I can do that. I, I don't know that I can obey you, God. Because I don't know if what you're asking me to do is something I'm capable of. I don't know if what you're asking me to do is something I should do. I, I just don't know. You need a simple obedience like Joseph. To say, God, whatever it is you're asking me to do, I will do. You want, me to, you want me to quit my job and go to the mission field? Maybe that's what God's asking you to do. You want me to go become a, a, a minister, a preacher, a pastor? Go to Bible college, become a pastor? If that's what God's asking you to do. It's, you need to obey. Maybe it's in your relationships. Maybe you got a, a situation at home that's not going so well. God is asking you to go to marriage counseling. You're like, I don't know that I want to do that. I'm giving up hope. You know, you need to do that. Maybe it's in your finances. God is asking you to take a step of faith and support a missionary or support the church more. Maybe it's taking a financial step and saying, you know what? God's asked me to do this, and i got to do it. You need a simple obedience like Joseph. And there's good news, though. Because when you obey God, it's not like you're falling, flying without a net. When you obey God, God will be with you. Remember what his name means, Jesus' name, Emmanuel, means God is with us. When you obey, God will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. He will not leave you up to your own devices. If he's asking you to do something, if he is asking you and commanding you and 
telling you, do this. This is what I need you to do. He will be with you every step of the way. So do it. Whatever God is asking of you, do it. Obey him. Like Joseph did. Secondly, you need a simple faith like Mary. You need a simple faith like Mary. You see, Mary didn't ask a lot of questions. Just one. How will this be? And maybe you need to step out in faith in your life like Mary. Trusting that God knows what he's doing. Trusting that God is in charge and God is in control. And you need to say, Lord, whatever it is you're asking me to do, wherever it is you're asking me to go, whatever you're uh, telling me to do, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to believe in you. And I'm going to believe your word. I'm going to believe your promises. I'm going to have a simple faith like Mary. And there's good news about this too. When you trust God, God will not fail you. When you trust God, he will not fail you. What did the angel tell Mary? No word from God will ever fail. Nothing will be impossible for God. So trust him. In your life, with the decisions that you're making, trust him with your career. Trust him with your kids. Trust him with your grandkids. Trust him with your life. Trust him for eternity. Put your faith in him. Believe that what he's calling you to do, he will accomplish. And he will be with you every step of the way. See, Jesus needed earthly parents. He didn't come preloaded with software. He needed earthly parents to teach him about faith and obedience. So that at the end of his life, when he knelt praying in the garden, as he was about to face the cross, he needed obedience like his earthly father Joseph to say, not my will, but yours be done. And he needed faith like his earthly mother Mary to say, Lord, my God, my Father, I trust you. So that the next day, he went to the cross. He obeyed his Father. And he put his trust in his Father. And everything changed for everyone that day.